Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Welcome to HR Inside Out. I'm your host, Susan Nay. We're going to talk about corporate culture today. In podcast two, I talked about recruitment tips and tales. Encouraged you to, as a job applicant, do your homework. Particularly if you're applying to a new organization. One of the things that I encourage you to do is to check out the culture of that new organization. We're going to dive a little bit further into what exactly that is. We're going to look at some thoughts on what it takes to affect change in corporate culture and why this is so important in your happiness equation. I'm going to focus on corporate as opposed to departmental culture. That said, there are the core components of the organization that should be the same in both. But using a couple of examples, working in a library environment it's going to be different than working in parks or roads. Working in clerks is going to be different than bylaws using two examples from local government. The core values of the organization would be the same, but the culture in the different departments could vary. So first, what is corporate culture? According to the American Management Association, it's the shared values and beliefs that help individuals understand organizational function. It provides individuals with guides for their behaviors within the organization. That makes sense on the surface, but is it real? I leapt from the frying pan to the fire at one point in my career. I jumped from one organization to another. What I'd sought in the new situation and what had been told about the organization in that interview were diametric opposites from my actual experience. I certainly learned my lesson and after that faithfully did the homework that I encourage you to do when you're changing organizations. Example from a different place. I remember being told by a boss that he felt there was no hierarchy or bureaucracy within our organization. Yet that business had extensive rules and procedures that everybody was expected to adhere to. Senior management received special perks such as designated parking spots, corner offices with fancy furniture, these visibly indicated to me there was both hierarchy and bureaucracy. As a new hire, I wondered whether my boss didn't just see these, or if he truly believed what he told me. It did leave me wondering what else he didn't see. If you oversee people, it's important to be aware of the impact of your behavior and what you say about your organizational culture. This includes being honest about what is, not what you wish it would be. 
it is what gets practiced and not what gets said gets practiced. Corporate culture is the way that things get done, especially when no one's looking. It's what actually occurs. I think this is a more realistic definition of corporate culture. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for an organization where there's no or at least minimal discrepancy between what's stated and what's actually practiced. It's really critical for organizations to understand who they are. What is their purpose? What do they stand for? How do they work together? What's their mission and how are they planning on achieving that? And for us, are employees regarded as an expendable resource or as gold? How an organization responds by its actions and its answers to these kinds of questions will be a very strong determinant of its corporate culture and its ability to recruit and retain key talent, talent like you. And you know, unless our organizations are really clear on these, we're not gonna stay. I love the quote, winning and keeping people is not a public relations exercise. The companies winning at the retention game have been bold in actually making people a daily commitment. And with sincere apologies to the author, I just, I can't recall who it was that said that. Companies who have positioned themselves as employers of choice have got this figured out. And they're the companies that are sought after by top talent, especially in tough times. These companies really try to do right by their staff. They really matter. Employees really matter in these organizations. And we've seen a lot of that with the current pandemic. And this is about you. What are you looking for? We have to start by being really clear about our own needs and interests. Do you prefer working with a rules-oriented type organization? Or are you more comfortable in a laissez-faire environment? And what are your core values? The values that are really important to you? Fairness, integrity, family. How are these handled within the organization that you're considering working within? kind of boss do you want to work with? Someone who stays completely out of your business or one who checks in with you quite frequently? These are actually questions that you might get asked in an interview. Statistics indicate that 90% of the reason that people voluntarily leave jobs is a result of their not liking who they report to. Check out LinkedIn profiles. When we spend so much of our time working, it's so important to ensure, to the extent that we can anyway, the fit is gonna be right for us. Ask around, find out who might work there in that company. Check out internet, social media sites, ask lots of questions and really pay attention. Before I applied to the district of West Vancouver, I took a woman I knew who worked there out for dinner. I brought a long list of questions I wanted to know from her perspective about the organization and the people that I might be working with. I am so glad I spent that time. I very happily ended up there 10 years and spent 10 years of my life at that place. So just examples, things to look at and ask about. You learn there's a long service program, one that rewards loyalty and long tenure. 
these programs in the absence of anything else, any other reward and recognition programs, might lead you to question whether it's the length of service that's valued rather than the quality of that service. Is that important to you? Remember to ask about how the organization recognizes superior performance when you're asked if you have any questions at the end of an interview. The response that you receive will provide you insights into the organizational culture. Another example. So you're interested in being in an organization that's concerned about sustainability. So you're going to research what is that organization that you're considering working with feel and do about sustainability. This should be clear from the information on, the, on their website, but again, a good question for your time to ask questions at the end of an interview. You get the idea. Now, corporate change, corporate culture changes. Jim Collins in his book, From Good to Great, talks about companies who really fare well because their values, their practices, and their purposes are rock solid. And that in building those foundations, they're provided with a buffer from the winds of, of course, lots of uncertainty in the economy. They're able to weather the storms because they have those strong roots. And those roots hold them firm. Really, change is the only constant. And we're going to see that through our careers. And even when we stay with the same organization, to a certain degree, the culture is going to have to change. But again, not necessarily so with the core values and the purpose of the organization. Now, if you end up going through an amalgamation or a merger, that could be, can be quite different. But we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. I found interesting, there was an article from author Tracy Bauer in Forbes magazine. She references skills that are going to help us navigate these kinds of changes. I'm going to list them. None of them should be a surprise to you. Increased comfort with ambiguity, curiosity, openness, entrepreneurship, empathy, resilience, optimism, imagination, building rapport and relationships, and taking action. She takes the position that it won't matter where we work or what we do. We're going to need these skills if we wish to become our best and to be comfortable in change that's going to happen, whether it's cultural or otherwise. COVID-19 has demonstrated the need for organizations to be able to adapt to pressures that are beyond their control. No one anticipated the global pandemic, and certainly no one anticipated the impact it's had. And when organizations are required to change course, so must you. Things like employee telecommuting and caretaking little ones at the same time would have received an emphatic no <laughs> by most of the places that I've worked. How our world has changed. Sometimes circumstances dictate cultural change and we have to go with the flow. Now, I talked about organizational mergers and amalgamations. And those are things that you might not have anticipated when you accepted employment. And it can happen. When I first started working at BCIT, the BC Institute of Technology, it had just merged with the Pacific Vocational Institute. Over my 10 years with BCIT, I often got asked whether I was old BCIT or old PVI. 
And, you know, other than consolidation of the two BC government employees collective agreements, I don't recall any effort being expended on dealing with the integration of those two cultures, two very diverse cultures. I worked in HR. It was a really confused new organization for many years as a result. Think about government. There's huge shifts and priorities and, and direction that can come about as a result of a change in political party or leadership or the change in mandate from a new governance group. You need to be able to adapt, especially when projects that you've been working on that might have been really dear to you are suddenly put on the back burner or scrapped. It's part of the culture of that sector, and it's good to understand that going in. If you're a manager or a supervisor, and if you're not, I know because you're listening to this podcast that you aspire to likely be one someday. If your job responsibilities include assisting your team with cultural transitions, it's important to know that the existing or the dominant culture can exert a very powerful counterpole that can kill cultural change initiatives. I have watched these tug of wars and really wondered with many others which side would win. But I've also seen how effective communication and the provision of assistance with understanding the, the strategic and the corporate direction have been huge and key factors to help assure success with the change initiatives. Again, if you're a manager or supervisor, there are tools that can be used as instruments to assess how you're doing. Tools like employee surveys and multi-rater feedback, things like, I think they call them 360 degree processes. It'll help you compile data that'll provide you with some honest feedback. And where circumstances like the transition not occurring or something begun but aborted happen, Change expert William Bridges found that people end up both mentally and emotionally back where they started. Cynicism and an unwillingness to truly engage in future initiatives can be a result. It all becomes part of the organization's stories and therefore the true culture. It becomes another flavor of the month and the credibility of the organization and you, if you've been involved, can be negatively impacted. Again, unless this is handled well. Because cultural change can't simply be mandated by senior management. It just won't take. We all need to be given the opportunity to be able to buy into the vision, to the need for change. We need to understand why the change is required. And we need to honor the organization's past history, to understand and mark endings, to recognize and work through the uncertainty, and to celebrate successes and new beginnings. Two good examples. United Airlines recognized that face-to-face -face reassurance from the CEO was an important first step toward building a reputation of credibility and caring. When Continental Airline changed its communication policy from a closed to an open system, to mark the transition and to demonstrate to employees that their judgment was trusted, they made a show of burning the Thou Shalt Not book in a company parking lot. These are indicators of the culture of an organization. These become the stories of those organizations. These are the things that are remembered. And we need time to adapt. It's been estimated, estimated 
that most individuals require between six and nine months to work through a change initiative. It doesn't happen overnight. I love the words of Daniel Goleman and his colleagues in their book, Primal Leadership. The invisible threads of a compelling vision leave a tapestry that binds people together more powerfully than any strategic plan and to people, not the business plan alone. Determine the outcome, what they do, and how they work together. So true and so powerful. William Bridges suggests that the most effective leverage available to assist staff is the example of the manager's and supervisor's own behavior. It's important for the leadership within organizations to understand and to be excited about required changes and to work with employees to communicate this and to develop that buy-in. It's also important for leaders to make the journey manageable by ensuring that the goals and the objectives are seen as attainable. We need to share how people's jobs fit within the new vision and to be prepared to learn and to implement the support mechanisms that each individual staff member requires to make their transition. Research also makes clear that when people in an organization see their leaders searching for truth, daring to share a dream aloud, and engaging with one another in a healthy manner, they begin to emulate that behavior. All good stuff. And it's also remembered to, important to remember there's other stakeholders involved. As an example, in a unionized business, unless union cooperation is obtained, little can become to be done to change the culture of an organization. Changes may require attention to internal programs that have been negotiated. Perhaps this terms of the collective agreements, things like hours of work and telecommuting options. And unions can be advocates in helping their members, the employees, with the change, in, change initiatives or transition. Corporations are increasingly aware that their corporate cultures affect not only their employees' attitudes and values, but also the financial bottom line. The cost of replacing staff, as one example, is high from many perspectives. Financially, the toll on the remaining staff, and on the reputation of the organization. If not currently, at some point in your career, you are likely to be overseeing people as part of your responsibilities. And all of these are really important considerations for you and for the teams that you lead as you aspire to become the very best version of you and to lead others to do similarly. Over the next three weeks, I'm gonna be inviting guests to speak of their own experiences around corporate culture. You're gonna meet an individual who took a personnel department into the 21st century. You're gonna meet a retired CAO and learn more about the importance of team in organizational culture. And you're gonna meet an assistant fire chief, very, very concerned about post-traumatic stress syndrome and mental health challenges within the fire services culture. A very exciting guest with huge messages. I sure hope you're gonna join us. Thank you for being with me here today and for your interest in corporate culture. I hope there were at least a few nuggets of new learning and some insights that you find helpful. If so, please take the time to add a note saying so about this podcast on your favorite social media platform. 
it'll help direct others to the podcast series. If you're interested in learning more about me and my services, please check out my website at www.effectingchangefromwithin.com. And I'm interested in hearing from you. If there are topics that you hope will be addressed or comments you'd wish to share with me about today's program, please send me a note at susangna at gmail.com. In the meantime, I continue to, you guessed it, dare to soar. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note, either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangna at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.